Are you ready to live a better life? Do you want to have fulfilling relationships with your partner, children, boss, colleagues? Do you want to learn how to overcome obstacles and challenges that are an inevitable part of our everyday life interactions? You have tuned in to the right podcast. Doris Horenstein, author of Moments of the Heart, is ready to do just that. Sit back, listen, and enjoy the learning as Doris shares her stories, Jewish wisdom, and a bit of the Hebrew language and makes this world her classroom. Hello, everybody. This is Doris Horenstein. I am so glad you are tuning in to Moments of the Heart a place where you get inspiration, motivation, knowledge, purpose, and just listening to stories that may inspire you or gladden your heart. So this time we are having another episode with heart-to-heart conversations. It's a, it's a series that I began about six weeks ago because of the um, social changes and racism in our country, in America, I've decided to interview friends that I know and love from the African-American community and just to have a really authentic, honest, meaningful, heart-opening conversations. So today, Roxana Triam is my guest. She's a former refugee and immigrant from Mozambique. She came to the United States in 1990s. You're going to hear all about her. And she has such a beautiful personality and sparkling and goodness. And I think you will get that listening to this podcast. I am feeling really blessed and lucky that I'm able to do this, that I'm able to bring people uh, stories to to really the majority of America that may not know. And um, I hope you will take these stories, that it will open your heart, that maybe it will encourage you to do whatever you can do to make this world a better place, right? This is the intention of this podcast. So without further ado, here is my friend, Rokshana. I'm going to record this, and now I think we are recording. Hello, my dear friend, Roxana. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Doris. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so happy to be here and sharing yeah. this beautiful space with you. I know. I know the space of Facebook. Are we just luckiest ever to be doing what we're doing? Yes. Right? And the space of Zoom and connecting, the connection of two pieces, two technology together. You are so technology <laughs> Savvy. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, tell this to my children. Okay? <laughs> tell this to my children. Because at night, my 17-year-old my now, you know, the only one living in our house, I will say, I will go in and say, Yaniv, I have a question. And he will be like, oh, God, here she goes again. <laughs> you know, in this, in this sometimes dismay look, may I add. You know, yeah. like, mother, didn't I tell you this already? I'm like, maybe you did. And maybe my ears were not ready to really absorb all that wealth of information. So, but anyway, so everybody, we are live and hello to you. If you're just joining us right now, that's super cool. If you're listening to us, whenever it is that you have time to listen, this is number five in the series, Heart to Heart Conversation. And I could not be happier right now to introduce to you 
my friend Roxana Triem. Am I saying it right, Roxana? You are, Trim. Yes, you are. Thank you. Okay, this is you. This conversation is going to be so cool, and I wanna I wanna tell you a little bit about Roxana. First of all, I met Roxana. It was maybe a year ago in I think a Moxie event. Was it a Moxie event? Yeah, it was a Moxie event, and somebody said to me, "Oh, you have to meet Roxana. She is so wonderful. You have to meet her." And I met so many people, right? Some of them I remember after, and some of them I, I couldn't remember after. Well, Roxana, I remembered after. And I was like, she is so cool, and she's so nice, and I felt the spark in her personality. And I want to introduce her to you all, okay? So let me tell you about her. She's a former refugee and immigrant from Mozambique, and she came to the United States in the 1990s. She overcame sexual abuse and became an advocate for parents and childcare providers to support them on their healing journey. She is a CEO of Women's Lifestyle Coaching, where she helps women overcome their rough past and create their desired beautiful life through sharing the story on the first time speaker catalyst. She coaches women through group coaching, nature retreat, online programs, and community. Roxana is also the founder of Fermina. Am I saying it right? Fermina. Yes. Fermina Foundations, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, which helps build schools in Mozambique and in future uh, Malawi and Zambia, Africa. Zambia, Africa. Oh my God, this is so amazing. Roxana holds a bachelor degrees in science and human development and works at and worked not anymore at early childhood teacher trainer and mentor when she is not working as many hours as she does she spends time with her kids and with her husband she also volunteers taking women on outdoor adventures she may not be taking me hiking and backpacking so welcome 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 my dear friend thank you for being here thank you for being with us you are just a light. I see you and I see a light. And by the way, I love your red. It's so beautiful. Your outfit is beautiful. So welcome to my space. Thank you, Doris. Thank you for having me here. I'm so happy. Hey, I have to say light attract light. The light that you see in me is also the light that I see in you. So you know that we are vibrating at totally, totally on the same energy. So, so beautiful to be here and to have you impacting so many women and inspiring them to step up and be their own and share their story. So thank you for having me here today. Thank you. And you know what? It's really important to me that we create a stage a virtual stage for women to share their stories and especially, and how did I get into this heart to heart conversation? You know, I have my podcast that's called moments of the heart, just based off of my book moments of the heart mm -hmm. where I talk and inspire about a particular theme or another, you know, every week I do that. And in the last month and a half or so, when all the demonstrations started mm -hmm. and this unsettling and the racism in our country that became so obvious to everybody. And I don't know if I shared it with you, but for the longest time, I was even blind to it myself. And I thought to myself, this is like crazy. And because I'm not white and somehow, maybe because I'm Middle Eastern or something, I don't know, I didn't 
understand the severity of the situation. I didn't, and it's probably my fault. I did not. But when it came just, you know, in the last few weeks, it just brought everything to me together. And I thought to myself, what can I do, right? Everybody can do something. Okay. What can I do? And I chose to interview women and to have candid, authentic conversations. And I think you will be such a wonderful person to interview because of your background. So I want to speak less. And you know how hard it is for a speaker to speak less. But I do want to do that because I want to have you speak more. So tell me about your life. Tell us about how you came to America. Tell me. Absolutely. So I came to the United States in 1992 and um, due to the war. So I'm originally born in Mozambique and due to the war, my family fled to Malawi and settled in Malawi and decided that they need to go to another country to live in the refugee camp so that they can get asylum to come to the United States. Because having my father being in the military, he could not go back. Mostly a lot of families were you know, murdered and they died and it was too risky to take this family back to the country that he came from. At that time, we went to live in, um, in Zambia and there's a refugee camp there and we settled in the refugee camp for about five years. And after five years in 1992, we had the opportunity to come to the United States. And I came, I was about 15 and a half years old at that time when I arrived. So my journey it's, you know, it's definitely in your young adulthood, it has really shaped me for who I am today and the journey that I've been part of uh, through coming from Africa. Yeah. Tell us about your first weekend, because I know you just had the anniversary of your arriving to the United States. Yeah, you, so tell us, tell us the story. I think it's just so amazing. I don't think I've ever shared the story. This is actually the first time I've sh I'm going to share the story. So really? this is, yes. So the first time we came to United States was about in 4th of July weekend. And our sponsor at that time was supposed to arrive at the airport. And because our flight was delayed one day and our sponsor never showed up. So there was this wonderful man. His name was Mr. Walton. He knows until today. He, um, somebody had called him and said, there's a family of seven. They have been here at the airport maybe for hours, maybe for another day or so. They're waiting for their sponsor to arrive. And they called him and he came over and he fetched us and he rented a nice hotel. It was out in San Diego. And he bought some pizza, the first time experience American food pizza, what, what cheese was, what kind of bread it was with cheese and flavors. It was so delicious and so yummy. And, um, and about 9 or 10 o'clock at night, and we start hearing these um, big uh, bombs outside. You know, us being coming from a country of war, not knowing the uncertainty, the trauma, you know, with everything that's had gone in our past, we went ahead and hid into the cupboards, into the closets, you know, into under the bed in the hotel with so much, you know, confusion, what was going on, thinking that we came to this country of where we found asylum and this peace in America everybody dreams of. And later on, with all the commotion and the big bombs going on outside, my mother was the only one who spoke English and went into the hallway of the hotel and asking what was going on. And the people there said, oh, it's the 4th of July. We're celebrating. 
the Independence Day of America. So later on to find out the bombs are the fireworks. The fireworks, totally different representation to come to the land of the opportunity of, you know, where dreams come true, coming to celebrate the 4th of July was the scariest, scariest time of our life. It was just so traumatic for all of us. You know what? I don't like the loud sound of fireworks. I mean, if I have to be outside, you know, I, I will put my hand over my head like this, like just totally because it's too loud for my ears. Mm-hmm. And But I could see why it would scare anybody new to the country, especially. Mm-hmm. So so this was your first time eating pizza. Tell, tell me about what were the staple foods that you that you are accustomed to eating usually. And it's like, and how was the transition to American foods? And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, these are the things that so many people take for granted. Like mm-hmm. if you say this pizza, I'm like, what do you mean pizza? It's like, it's like, we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. How it's so different. So tell us, tell us. It was, it was the, the bread with lots of flavors and it was really delicious. That's all I could say. But, you know, the whole experience of coming to America was very, um, you know, for any, you know, 15 and a half year old, it's, it was culture shocking. I had to learn English. English is my second language. I had to learn English. And um, I have to share the story because, you know, when you come to United States as a, as a refugee, there's a lot of uh, organizations that give you donations of clothes. Yes. And so one of the clothes that I was wearing was a t-shirt and it was two frogs, you know, having sex. So I had, I didn't know what it was that the age of the innocence. And I wore that to school and they called me into the principal's office and they called my parents and they said, she is wearing an inappropriate shirt. And my parents went home and trying to figure out why is this inappropriate? And then on, they took it to the, to the distance far away. And I'm like, Oh, it's two frogs having sex. This is so inappropriate for high school. That was my, first experience is like totally culturally (laughs) experiences i could understand i could understand that that you're i mean even though well i came here again my english is my second language right hebrew is my first language so i totally get it i remember when the first time i was on a plane coming to america coming to america was the first time i was ever on a plane i was not on a plane before that yeah so at the age of 21 so i'm on a plane and so I went from Israel to New York and from New York, I had to change, uh, fly, um, uh, you know, I was in El Al, but then I had to change to, back then it was TWA and yes. I had to come to Portland. Well, the flight attendant, you know, mm-hmm. I, I came here with my luggage, my carry-on luggage. So the flight attendant says, oh, I can help you. And I said, oh, thank you. And she takes my things and she puts it in the overhead and she says, you bet. And I said, what is she betting me on? I do not want to bet on any, with anything, on any money. I don't have money. I don't understand what she's betting me. You know, and I'm like, I sit down quickly without answering. You know, but then I thought to myself, I came, of course, to Portland, and I said to Bob, I said, this woman wanted to bet me on putting my luggage up. Uh, like, why? And he says, oh, no, Doris, it's just a phrase. Like, you bet, like, you know, you're welcome. Yeah. Nobody taught me that. I yeah. didn't know that. So, so it's amazing the perception and words and meanings that we don't know until we actually live in the country, right? So I have a question for you. You, always, you, you said that you are an African. And I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you a question that 
you know, so here we talk about African-American, right? People, are you a citizen, by the way? Are you a citizen? I am. Okay. So if you're a citizen, why do you refer, not refer to yourself as African-American or an American-African, mm-hmm. but, but you just say African? Can you tell me? Because I really don't know, and I want to lo- learn. Absolutely. So one of the things um, I believe uh, that's something that I learned through the application that I filled out is we always had a box to put in other, you know, eventually as time came on and they have an option to put other or you have African. So now I would choose to put African because originally I am from the continent of Africa. However, when people ask me, where are you from? So those are the, usually the smart, educated people. They understand that Africa is a continent. Just to be simplified, I say, I am an African. But for the people who are more curious, they're going to say, which country? And then I'm going to say, Mozambique. And I'm like, oh, okay. So only the people, you know, some people would just say, oh, African. They'll think that Africa is just a country. Well, it's a country. There's so many, just like North America, there is Canada above, there is Mexico and South America below. But, you know, people just say America. And then you're going to go, what part? <laughs> you know, Canada? Yes, you know, exactly. America is like, ah, big, yeah. big. So, and then the other, the other thing is, um, you know, because I came from Africa, I came from Mozambique, I have a generational family. I have Indian in me. My great-grandparents are Indian. And then I have Portuguese in me. My great-grandparents are Portuguese. And then I have a black grandmother from both sides, from my dad's side and my mom's side. They are both black, you know. And um, so it is hard to put myself into one combination, into what ethnic background are you? I am Indian. I'm Portuguese. I'm, Af- you know. I'm I'm black. So if you look at my siblings, some of them have dark skin and very curly hair because, you know, because of the generation of the family that I have, I have a very mixed family. Yeah. So, okay. But it's still, uh, so, but would you say that you're also, did you are American? I am an American citizen. Okay. However, my, my birth of place is Mozambique. So I am, if you want to be specific, I am Mozambican. That is my birthplace. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I get you. I get yeah, you. Yeah. So here's a question, another question that I have, because I want to I talk about the concept of racism in this country. Mm-hmm. And you're coming at the age of 15 and a half, which is like, wow, it's like teenager time. I mean, you could, how was it? How was it adjusting? Uh, was your color, was the fact that you were from Africa, did you feel any time less than other people, how, you know, where did it come from? Tell us. Um, I believe, you know, I, I, I face racism like anybody else. You know, you have to figure out how much energy I'm going to put that into it. And I did uh, in many, many in places, in, in my work career, in, in my school career. So I faced that in my pay career. However, what I'm going to say that, you know, at, at the time you kind of think like, is this really racism? You don't really, I, I learned more about racism now, what's happening now in the world, what more people are dealing with. But at the end of the day, you're like, kind of just brush it off. You just say, ah, oh, you know, it's just, they probably just don't like me because I'm brown skinned girl or because I'm Indian or because they relate me to somebody else, you know, but I don't have really put a lot of attention on it because I put attention on what I can focus on ahead. 
but I know it happens. And racism, I believe that's happening, what the world is opening up to. You know, my kids are affected because they're um, black. Their yeah. dad is from Ethiopia. And I have seen how it has affected them. I says, mom, this could be dad. Mom, this could be uncle. This could happen to anybody. So I am seeing it even more through the face of my children, them teaching me and educating me about Black Lives Matter, about what's happening, about what they have learned in college in the new generation. So they're actually being more of the voice, expanding my awareness of how I have closed myself. Maybe I closed myself to not learning, to you know, focusing my education on something else, but now it's happening more and more. And I have, like anybody else, they're probably learning more right now. They're more aware of what's happening um, than any, any time in, in a lifetime. Well, you know what? We say that awareness is 80% uh, of the problem being solved, right? The idea of that, that now we're aware of a problem. I think it's, it's just fascinating to me because in my interviews with the other women, some of them had this such a strong vibration in their own body um, for being treated not in a good way, mm -hmm. uh, to being put down upon, to look down upon. And then other women, you know, such as yourself, you like, you know, I'm just going to brush it. You know, if they, if they didn't treat me well, maybe they just don't like me. Maybe something is about them, but it's not a reflection of me. And here I keep on going, which which maybe is a healthy, is a beautiful, healthy way to forge into the world, you know, if you think about that, right? Absolutely. And also to be able to create a life that the, the culture that you want to, to build around you, you know, I mean, I have created a community of people that is a very diverse, that everybody is welcome. You know, every voice is welcome. Every story is important. You know, you know, building that on and expanding to, you know, internationally, it really makes people realize they look at you and said, wow, you have such an amazing immersed community of well knowledge and diverse of people. And even being on this show today, Doris, I mean, for people to see us two brown colored girls joining powers and talking about awareness, <laughs> the curly hair, you know what I mean? Talking I about awareness, having this discussion that's really right now, it's like breaking the world. And right now we're having healthy discussion. These discussions we're having, there's also tension with a lot of people out there. But we have chosen, you have chosen this beautiful platform to take this opportunity to have healthy, peaceful, uh, inspiring, that there is hope. That loving, is loving, right? Loving, loving. Yes. I just, I just think the world of you. And if people really know all the things that you've created, tell them about your fashion show and about you doing the trips to Africa, to Mozambique. Tell them about that because to Uganda, right? Um, yeah, so last year we had an opportunity to uh, uh, a group of 14 people uh, came, we came to, we traveled together to, um, to, to Mozambique for the first time, but we stopped in Malawi and we explored some touristy places and then we crossed the border to go into Mozambique and to the village that we, where the school, the new school is. But, but working with this, we're working with a few other nonprofits that we're joining forces to help through the Fermina Foundation, which is the foundation. I founded is to help these youth programs to go to school and finish their trade school and have money and you know in this village there is no college and the only college there is is a trade school and the trade school is the only thing they have in third world country that's all what people have is education 
So we're helping these trade school students, you know, help designer the clothes. So that way we could showcase on our fashion show here in Portland, Oregon. We're going virtual, actually doing fashion show virtual because it's going international now. But it's being hosted here in Portland and proceeds of the tickets are going to go towards the trade school and empowering them so that way they can finish their trade school. Because through the trade school, they're the one also who helped us build the school, their experiences, they were given their time and energy. So it's time for us to now to contribute back to their, to their school. That is so beautiful. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, in Hebrew we say, it's not up to you to finish the task, but you cannot relinquish yourself from the obligation to be of help and of service. And you've done that. You know, you left... Mozambique with your parents um, and came to America as a refugee, but nonetheless, you're helping your, your people, you know, you're helping your tribe, you're helping your country. And that's how I feel about Israel, right? Uh, even though I'm here, I feel that I'm in so many ways representing Israel, supporting the Jewish homeland, um, loving it, um, being really, when people a lot of time when people see me, they say, oh, she's the Israeli, the Jewish Israeli one, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I want to carry it like a badge of honor, you know, mm -hmm. like a badge of honor. And that's how I think you're doing it. You're carrying your heritage, not, it's not heavy on your shoulder and you bend down, but the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a, something that you carry as a badge of honor, literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, Absolutely. And, and also not only are we helping the people there, I think they're also helping us because when we take groups from here, from the United States and go there, they have more sense of gratitude. We're supporting businesses and we're doing that, you know, to exchange of two continents, Africa and the United States and realizing when we come together, we are all one human race and we all have the same problem and what connects us together is love. You know, that's what we're here for at the end of the day is the love that connects us all. Absolutely. You know, the word love, in, in, uh, it just popped to my head. But the mm -hmm. word love in Hebrew, if, when you dissect the letters and you go inside deep into the word love, which in Hebrew is ahav or ahava is the noun, mm -hmm. it means one person gives to another in this world. That's what it actually means. That's what love is. Love is giving from A to B, mm -hmm. literally. And so you think to yourself, every time if people really embodied that concept and gave from one person to another, there's always going to be the receiving also. Yes. So when you give, when you love, you also receive. It may mm -hmm. not be from the exact same person, which you showed love to, but it's the circle. Mm -hmm. And that is so meaningful in our lives. Yes. Wow, 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 yes. wow. That is so beautiful. So your kids, tell me about their, ex how many kids do you have? I have three. three kids. How old are they? They're 24, 22, and 21. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So do they all live in town? They are all back home right now. They're all away due to COVID-19. I think a lot of families are together. So they're all home right now. Yes. So you have a full household. And that could be fun, right? Um, it is. And it's a little vocal. It's a little opinionated. There's many opinions and voices that know more than I, I am ready. But this is what I am learning from it. I am learning to be a better communicator through the process. I'm learning to come to, to listen without judgment. So I'm always looking at this every time I get irritated and annoyed. I'm like, what is the opportunity? Like, um, you know, what is the opportunity here? What is this trying to teach me? What <laughs> 
right? Because we look at, you know, we look at everything in life. I think the healthy ways, which mm-hmm. we, that's what you're doing. The healthy way is to look at whatever challenge you have as a hidden gift of something else. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. just talking with my 17 year old because we have only the 17 year old living with us. The other two are on the East coast and they're doing their jobs and they're fine. And so I was walking the other day with my 17 year old and I said to him, you know, Yenivush, when in any other time of our lives, would we be walking at 4 PM, just going for a walk, strolling the neighborhood, you and me and the dog, you know, and normally you would be coming home from school. You would have your homework, whatever. And now we walk all the time together. Mm-hmm. That's small, tiny gift that mm-hmm. we got out of this un, unlucky situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, so always in life, looking at the, what's the positive things, right? From the lemon, mm-hmm. make a lemonade. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Was, was he rolling his eyes? <laughs> he, he actually said, no, Ima, you know, you're right. You're right. It's fine to walk. Anyway, awesome. but, you know, but, but before we go for the walk, he always says, not a long walk, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, a short walk, 20 minutes. Just let's get out of the house. <laughs> That's awesome. It is, it is. I, I see a lot of families are able to connect this time. You know, even though it's a good thing, also there's a lot of, um, you know, abuse going on but I really want to focus on the good things that's happening around the world is more families have got connected more pets got more love more children got more love so lots of good things are happening that's right that's right so tell me is there is anything else that you would like to say as somebody who has who is black partly but also has black children to Mm -hmm. the world about the um, racism about your vision about your hope about Mm -hmm. anything I, I believe that we are all, we're all the color of the human race and deep down we all crave love. We want love and for us to get to know each other is to learn about somebody else. Taking the time to, you know, to read that book or watch that documentary or go say hello to your neighbor or apologize for, even sometimes if, if you are aware you have found something that you've done, apologize. It's so huge, you know, apology is so huge and now that you know you're aware um take and implement implement what can you do you know if you volunteer donate be part of a movement go out there march use your voice there's many ways you can use this opportunity to share the wealth share the value there's a lot of people using this opportunity also to share on social media to get to know each other i mean we're all part of the human race and we all are wanting one thing love Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'll conclude with a song that I sing every time at the end of um, Heart to Heart Conversations. It's a song that I grew up on in the 1970s. It's called Ani Ve'ata Neshanet Olam. You and I will change the world. Uh, you and I, and then everybody else will come. It says, also, it says, they said it before, but it doesn't matter. You and I will change the world. And I'd like to sing that for you. Okay, and for everybody who is joining us right now at the live. Ani ve'ata neshane et ha'olam. Ani ve'ata az yavu kvar kulam. Amu et ze kodem lefanai ze lo meshane. Ani ve'ata neshane et ha'olam. You and I will change the world, my darling. Thank you so much, Rukshana, for being my guest today 
on Heart to Heart Conversation. I am looking forward to a beautiful continued friendship with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Doris, for having me. And I would love to sing that song in a circle with other women. I think it's a powerful song to sing. So I hope to be part of your next circle of other women and sing that song. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to Heart to Heart Conversation. This is Doris Hornstein. Thank you so much. Bye.